0: Welcome back, everybody, to your creativity. We are back in the bowels of Hatch Family Chocolates. And you
1: act like this is like a torture zone, like a like a dungeon.
0: <laughs> well, well, we'll ask around the table at the end.
2: I have to say, as soon as you said the bowels, I automatically wanted to jump on and just go, bum, bum, bum. Felt appropriate. <laughs> I mean, it does and sound it's... like we're in the belly of a
3: monster right now. Oh, All right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: This is my home. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. It doesn't
3: look like we're in the belly of a monster, but it's got noises. Does it smell like it? No, it smells delicious. Mm. But I've never been in the belly of a monster, so it could smell like chocolate. I have no idea. It's a chocolate monster. Yeah. It
0: depends on the monster. Well, you've heard all the voices of the participants today. I'm going to go around the table uh, my left. You're right if you're driving in. It's still a joke from Keith Stubbs. Um, on my left is Haley Berry, also known as Type Affiliated. She is our guest. She's a hand writing artist, and I met her just before Valentine's Day. And then we got. Yeah, the-
1: were you getting a gift? Like, I mean, you met her just before Valentine's. Were you out of ideas, and you were like, "What should I get?" And Haley came to your rescue, or what? In a way, yes.
0: Yes, I, my blank, my mind was kind of blank for Valentine's, and this did help that. That, that voice is Steve. Oh, yeah, sorry. He's here all the time. So <laughs> And then we've got Val, and she is back for the fourth time, first time as a guest host. How are you?
3: I'm good. Thanks for letting me come guest with you.
1: No problem. Well. Val's the professional. We're just like amateurs.
3: <laughs> I'm a professional talker because I've gotten paid for it. Yeah, okay. you really are. <laughs> That's I'll, all that makes you a professional is if you've gotten paid to talk. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, I'll I'll pay you in chocolate even still Ooh. if you want to like get chocolate. That
3: works. That works. Yeah,
1: I've never been paid to talk.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I've been paid to.
1: I've been paid to shut up. <laughs> Man, I don't know if I've been paid I to talk. Don't doubt that.
3: <laughs> oh. I love you.
1: But I'm just saying. I'm an I, I'm an acquired taste. Uh huh.
0: Did you have to give the money back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know, it didn't last very long. Well, the thing I met her uh, Haley at was an AIGA Salt Lake event, and it was handwriting valentines. Um, she recently was on the news post Christmas talking, or around Christmas, talking about. Um, Something similar. So um, tell us about that event first and um, your association with the AIGA.
2: Yeah. Well, so I'm actually the president of the Salt Lake City AIGA. And how that all came to be, that's a whole other story. (laughs) But definitely not qualified for it, but super eager to help in any way. And I guess that makes you qualified in a sense. But I'm the president of the Salt Lake City AIGA, which is an awesome group to be working with. And we do a lot of events, you know, to serve the design Community and they asked me to come and do one, just teaching a hand lettering workshop. So I'm a lettering artist. I've been doing lettering professionally for five-ish years. And if you're thinking, what the heck does that even mean? It basically gets me means that I get paid to draw letters of the alphabet, right? So things like custom logos, murals, all that type of thing. But sometimes I teach. So I teach a lot of private workshops. I also teach at UVU. Um, and so when they asked me to come do a lettering workshop for valentine's day i said heck yeah let's do it that's where i met dylan
0: and what i loved is she taught us the relationships of you know of the letters with each other and you know how to connect them like not fully draw them until you're all done and then you can have fun with the connecting which is what really i thought was the best part
3: For us uh, non-handwriting like (laughs) civilians, what does AIGA stand for?
2: Yeah, let me get this right. I always mess it up. It's the American Institution for the Graphic Arts. So AIGA actually is pretty cool because there's chapters all over the United States. So here in Salt Lake, we've actually got kind of a smaller chapter compared to some of the bigger ones. We've got about 130 members, which is still pretty good. But basically, it's all just about providing opportunities for any type of designer, whether you're a graphic designer, a web designer, a lettering artist like me, an illustrator, um, to have professional development opportunities, opportunities to serve in the community, opportunities to get the word out about the importance of design. We do Salt Lake Design Week. We do the 100 Show, which is an art show for graphic designers. So AIGA really does a lot of stuff, and we've got a super great group here in Salt Lake for our chapter.
0: And also includes, um, like, even fashion design and architecture. Totally. And stuff
2: like that. Lots and lots of stuff.
3: So, I just want to throw this out there. I'm really angry that schools do not teach cursive anymore. Mm-hmm. It stopped Definitely. when my daughter, my daughter's going to be 21 this year. And I think they stopped teaching her in like fourth grade. She learned like mm-hmm. one year and then they stopped. And I learned it's not good, it doesn't look good, <laughs> but I do it. My mom's handwriting was like the best in the world. Um, So why is this going away? Is it like, do you think it's technology? And why do people, it it is kind of coming back in a way with your classes because now it's like this retro thing to learn how to do. Is that weird for everyone that now
2: cursive is this retro Mm -hmm. thing to do? Yeah. Well, it's (laughs) it's really interesting because, and I will say this, I'm going to throw this out too. The cursive we learned in school was so bad. Like, as I got better way at lettering and stuff and <laughs> learned about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, what were they teaching us? They were teaching us some real garbage. So, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> but yeah, I think definitely, like, as technology gets better, like, kids are learning how to text and how to type and stuff, but they're not learning cursive. And I, and I think it's a good and a bad thing. It's sad because you kind of lose this just pretty basic skill that I feel like people have and can develop. But in a way, it's also cool because I think it's it's putting handwriting and calligraphy and lettering kind of into this new elevated sphere of being an art form. Because in the past, hand lettering in general has kind of had its ups and downs, right? Times when it was like really valued and times where it was really not valued. And so I feel like in a way, the fact that cursive is becoming more scarce, it's now sort of making lettering more of a desirable skill and it's something that people are actually becoming more interested in and putting more focus on than they were before so in a way the fact that it is more scarce is like adding value to it which i think is actually really cool and the other cool thing about it is that um since it is seen now as more of an art form necessarily than just as a practical skill it does give you more freedom to really be able to be creative with it and explore different things and different methods and different tools that you wouldn't just use, you know, to write an essay in fourth grade or whatever.
0: Uh, my son, you know, I told him about it and how it made me miss cursive. He hates cursive. <laughs> like, he'll cringe at the the sound of the word. And then it just makes me sad. And this class made me miss it, you know? It's like, mm. I miss cur- cursive.
3: I'm super... Old and unpopular because anytime we're not talking in emojis, I'm fine with however we're communicating. Mm-hmm. So if we can teach people the art form of calligraphy <laughs> and cursive and anything, I just don't want to have to figure out what you're saying through emojis. Totally. Because <laughs> I have no idea. It's a mystery. You have not seen my
1: handwriting.
3: <laughs> I haven't. I've known you a long time.
1: My handwriting's pretty atrocious. <laughs> Mine is you, my emojis <laughs> would be better than that. Okay. Okay. So, but, but since, okay, I'm. My handwriting shit I'm yeah. just going to be honest, and like it's going to take like an interpreter to read it <laughs> are is, is there any hope for people like me in improving that?
2: yeah, absolutely, so that's one really common misconception that people have is they say, okay, I've got terrible handwriting. that means I can't do hand lettering or calligraphy, and that's just not true, and the fact is it's because hand lettering and calligraphy it's a very different mindset, so calligraphy is all based on repetitive strokes and pressure and kind of control and it's not a fast thing it goes really slow Um, and hand lettering is a form of drawing so really neither of them are necessarily your regular handwriting people are always surprised when they see my regular handwriting in my journal or in my planner they go oh my gosh you kidding me did you write this because my lettering is so good so you do not have to have good handwriting to be good at hand lettering it's just thinking about words as shapes and kind of applying them in a different way dylan knows that that's what we talk about a lot in the classes is really breaking down and saying, okay, this A isn't an A. It's an oval with a downward stroke next to it that connects to the other strokes, you know, and thinking about things in terms of negative space and lines and shapes rather than letters themselves. So it definitely is an art form. And I would say that it can, you can be good at hand lettering or calligraphy, even if you stink at handwriting and anyone can improve their handwriting as well. Um, I've heard a lot of people that say, oh, I'm just bad and I can never get better. Anyone can get better. There's a lot of things you can do to kind of practice your handwriting every day. Um, What would
1: you recommend to do?
2: Well, the first thing, and this is going to sound really weird, but is actually not to hold your pen or pencil so tight. One of the biggest things that people do um, that can kind of make your handwriting less good is they grip their pen and pencil really, really tight. And I do this too. Um, but actually just kind of, I wish you could see me right now. I'm like lowering my shoulders and wiggling my arms, but the more you can relax as you go into your handwriting and really loosen your grip on your pencil or your pen, that can actually start to make a huge difference. Another thing that is going to sound really weird, um, and I wish you could see me again, is to actually learn how to write with your arm rather than your hand. When we write, generally we move our wrist, right? We kind of move our wrist from side to side and that's how we form our letters. But if you can get in the habit of actually making that movement come from your elbow and your shoulder and kind of moving your whole arm, it's going to make writing faster. It's going to make it easier. Your hand's not going to get tired as fast and your handwriting is actually going to look way better.
3: I feel like that's very much like uh, uh, Japanese lettering because they barely hold on to their brush when they're doing the strokes and it's beautiful. If you've ever watched anybody do that or you've ever tried to do that before, Mm -hmm. and it's true, like I've taken a class for that and it really is like you're barely holding on to your brush Mm -hmm. and your arm has, it's mainly your arm and not your wrist at all as you're doing it. So that makes a lot of sense.
2: Yeah. It's
0: not comfortable at first either because you're so used to like keeping it tight, but then like okay this makes sense but it's weird Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) and you have to be okay with with slowing down and being all right with messing up at the beginning because like dylan said you know it is really weird at first but the more you kind of practice it the more you're going to get into a flow you're going to be able to get back to a regular speed of writing where you know you're not moving at a snail's pace (laughs) to write a single letter and you know anyone can do it
0: what was the response from the others in the class i can only speak about me but yeah um, how was everybody else?
2: Um, everyone loved it. That sounds so cocky <laughs> yeah. to be like, oh my gosh, everyone loved my class. But the thing is, I love to teach because it's really cool to see people, especially people who maybe lack confidence. I mean, there's always people that have experiences in different types of art, and so they're pretty confident learning a new type of art. But there's always also people that are like, oh my gosh, like my girlfriend just brought me to this and I don't even really want to be here and I don't think I can do it. And then at the end, you see how proud they are of the things that they've created. And as a teacher, that is such a cool thing to be able to be like, look what you did. You didn't think you could do it. And here it is. Um, so that's always super fulfilling. And it's also was
1: Dylan, one of those people or was Dylan, one of those, you know, I have a refresher class that starts in another two weeks with, which was Dylan?
2: Dylan killed it, man. Yeah,
3: not to brag, I was the start pupil.
2: He totally was. <laughs> like, and I, wow. yeah, I, I'm not even just saying that. Like, Dylan, Dylan did so good. You know?
3: Did you sit at the front of the class?
2: Pretty
1: close, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, he I did. Knew you were, I knew you were that one. <laughs> well, I'm usually in the back
1: if I make it
2: to class. <laughs> yeah, but it's just it's so fulfilling to see people learn something new. And and the cool thing about lettering as well is there's not a lot of barriers to it. You know, like some types of art to get into it, you need a lot of really expensive supplies or you need a lot of space or time or, you know, training. And I would argue that to get really good at lettering, you know, you, it's best to have a little bit of training, but as far as supplies and stuff go, you can do it on anything, you know, like I would take do lettering on the sides of my notes when I was in school, you know, on, on my paper. And then the teacher would be like, you're turning these notes in. And I'd be like, Oh crap. Cause I didn't realize that was going to be a thing, you know, but like you can do it anywhere, anytime and you don't need any fancy supplies. So it is really cool. Um, to hear people who've taken classes reach out to me years later or weeks later and send me pictures of stuff that they've done and said, like, look, I'm still doing this, you know, thank you so much. And that's a really good feeling.
0: Let's talk about how how you got started with everything. Like, uh, growing up as a kid, you know, did you enjoy drawing? And oh, what yeah. age did you start drawing? And how did that evolve?
2: So when I was little, um, every single year for Christmas, my parents just gave me a ream of paper. You know, and obviously it didn't last me the whole year, but like that's all I wanted was just paper and stuff to draw with. That's all I wanted to do. I remember when I was little, I would just sit at the kitchen counter like all day and just draw, and it was just awesome, so I always wanted to do that and I think in a way, I was lucky a lot of people they go through their lives, and there's this whole dilemma of like, oh, what do I want to be?" But I always knew what I wanted to be. I wanted to be an artist and And I just loved that. And so all growing up, you know, I loved to draw and I loved illustration. And I actually wanted to be a children's book illustrator. But as I was into that, I also was always very interested in writing. Like I remember ripping pages out of magazines that I thought had cool, you know, title pages, or I remember I had this piece of wrapping paper. It was like Christmas wrapping paper, but I loved the way that the words looked on it. So I remember like cutting that out when I was like eight years old, you know, and I would try to look at the letters. And and so I always liked doing that. I actually had a friend who I was in third grade with, and she just reminded me the other day, I had completely forgotten, but she was like, do you remember when you lettered all our our valentines in third grade for the whole class. I was like, oh yeah. And at that point, you know, I wasn't really thinking about it as hand lettering. I was just thinking about it as drawing and making a valentine. But yeah, I hand drew everybody a valentine in the whole class and wrote their names fun. So I was always very interested in the relationship between art and words. Um, When I was like 12, I started collecting 1950s magazines because I loved, you know, the retro illustrations, but I also really loved all the hand-drawn Lettering. I just thought it was amazing. And I thought I had so much personality. And then when I was a junior in high school, I got a job working in an antique store, which was super duper fun. And one time my boss, he he asked me, he said, hey, dude, he called everybody, dude. He's like, hey, dude, I need you to make a sign for that couch that says 25% off. And I was like, OK. And so me, you know, being the artsy kid, like I, I hand lettered, I guess, you know, the words 20% off or 25% off or whatever. And he goes, oh, I didn't know you did hand lettering. And in my mind I was like, well, if I can draw people and it cuz I was really good. I'd been drawing my whole life. I was like if I can draw all this other stuff, I can draw letters and I didn't realize it was so unique. Like, I thought it was something anyone could do that could draw But we put that sign on the couch, and a few days later, someone tried to buy the sign. (laughs) They thought it was something for sale in the store because they liked how it looked so much. Yeah, heck yeah. But after that, my boss started having me paint signs for the store and for the shop, and we sold some, but some were also just like for the exterior of the shop. So that's when I was 16, I started selling my lettering, and I kind of realized, like, wait a minute, this is sort of its own category of work. Like, outside of just drawing images, like, drawing letters is a form of art ended up getting hired by Corey Fox. He worked next door at Valore in Provo, for those of you that are around there. He was working on a lagoon commercial, and so he hired me when I was 16 to design these maps and things to be in this lagoon commercial. So I did some lettering for that, and I just loved it. And And so I think that's kind of how I got into it, but really the thing that was at the, the base of it was I loved drawing, but I also just loved The shapes, like that sounds kind of goofy, but I loved thinking of letters as shapes. And I loved the fact that if lettering is done right, you should be able to look at something that isn't even in your same language and you should be able to understand what that work is saying and the emotions that those letters are conveying just by the way that they're drawn, even if you can't read them, like you can understand them. And I just think that idea of art communicating in a way that's visual, but also is actually saying something is just so cool. And so that's kind of how I... I got started in lettering.
0: And it's evolved from there. Uh, you went to school at UVU. Yeah. So did, so did Steve. Right on.
2: I mean, he sometimes Wolverines. went to school. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Wow. Steve. He was enrolled. <laughs> I,
1: yeah, I was enrolled.
3: <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know. I made it
1: to class sometimes.
3: Do you have like a like a goal project like something that you haven't done Ooh. in lettering yet that you're like ah one one day I want to do like this type of thing.
2: Ooh well one is I I've been working on a font for like 2 years And so one big goal is I would love to finish that because making a font is very different than making an individual piece of lettering. You have to design every single letter, but then you also have to design every type of letter connection. And this is something that unless you work with lettering, you might not really think about, but if you have a letter O next to a letter H, the spacing is going to be different than if you have a letter O next to a letter C or a letter W. Like every letter connection um, changes the way that a letter is. And you might even draw it like a letter L if it's on the end of a word, the bottom of the L is actually going to be longer than if it's next to another letter. There's all these little tiny things with type. And so to make a really good font, it can take like 10,000 hours wow. <laughs> to like draw each letter and to form every type of letter connection and then to make all the glyphs. So glyphs are, you know, your ampersands, your colons, your all that kind of stuff. Um, so I've been working on a font for years, not consistently. It's kind of one of those projects that comes and goes. But one goal, I would love to finish that someday. <laughs> but.
1: I think that's awesome. Yeah. I'm just, like, blown away.
2: Yeah. Well, thanks.
1: Down in Provo, you've got projects everywhere.
0: You've worked with the city and tons of different businesses. Tell us about some of those Provo
2: projects. Yeah, totally. So, Provo is really important to me. I Again, I think it's when I was 16 and I had that job in the antique store in downtown Provo. I had the opportunity to really form a lot of connections with the businesses down there. And I actually got to know like the mayor of Provo pretty well and to be involved in a lot of things happening in the community. And it was so cool to see all the things that were happening in Provo at that time that I felt like were really good. But I also realized that none of this stuff was happening on accident. It was all happening because people were willing to donate their time and their energy to create a community that they really loved. And so I, I've always wanted to be a part of that. And so doing projects for small businesses in Provo has always been so meaningful to me. And I work with clients all over the United States. I would say about 60% of the work I do is for clients not in Utah or in Provo. But I love getting to do the local projects because it's just such a cool community. Um, So a few that I've done that were really cool, one of them specifically was for Ma's Pizza. It's an awesome, awesome pizza place in Provo. If anyone's there, definitely go. Uh, But they hired me to create a mural on the entire wall that explained their process. And I think one of the reasons I specifically loved that project is because they are a company that's so dedicated to small business as well. So you always hear people say like, oh, we love small business, you know, but then they get all their product from wherever, from Cisco or, you know, which, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. But Moz is one of those companies that really walks the walk. And so getting to make a mural that explained that their cheese all comes from Heber and that their vegetables all come from a farm in Orem. And you know what I mean? Like really showing like, hey, we love local business. And they actually, you know, take a little bit of the income that they make and donate it to local charities and local causes so i think being able to make the mural was so fun but also being able to support and work with a business that also loves local businesses and provo as much as i do is really fun Um, another one that was really meaningful to me was i got to do the posters for the rooftop concert series on their last year and that was a big dream i had had i remember when i was in high school and stuff, I, I would keep the posters. Like, I would go around town and find the new posters and I would take them down and keep them because I loved the design <laughs> so much. I think that's
3: against what you're supposed to do. I know, but they were so <laughs> good. It was people
2: like, you know, Matt Mildenstein and the Vastonets and uh, Stately Type had made these posters every year and they were so cool. And so a dream of mine, like, was always like, oh, I just would love to do the rooftop concert posters. And I had heard that... 20, what was it? 2018, I think is the year was going to be the last year. And I was so sad. And I was like, oh, rooftop concerts is going away. And it makes sense. I know the people that run it and it just, it was too big. It was too hard to manage. And I think it was their 10th year. And they were like, yeah, this is a good time to round it out. So I knew it was the last year and I was sad. But then I got a a, a call from Sarah Wiley, who was running it that year. And she said, hey, we want you to do the posters. And I was so excited because that was just something I'd always wanted to do um for my community and so was that
1: because you took out all of your competitors and so um yeah like, so then they were like oh well Haley's available
0: yeah
2: i listen to a lot of true crime so i kind of know all the wow. hacks of how to take people out you know i broke some knees and stuff like that but no big deal um no.
0: icicles stab them with icicles yeah it just melts melts away <laughs>
2: No, I wouldn't do that. What is it? Community over competition, guys. Let's let's be friends. But no, so that was just a really meaningful project to me. It didn't, it was, and that's the thing too that's really interesting is as an artist, like you got to make money and I'm a big believer in charging what you're worth and, you know, making sure that your time is valued. Um, but if you're doing that and if you are charging appropriately appropriately, and being smart with your business, then you have the opportunity, too, to take on some of these projects that maybe don't pay as much but mean so much to you. And that was one of those, right? It was kind of a community service thing. The pay was really minimal. But to this day, it just has such a close place in my heart because it's something I was able to do for my community that I cared so much about.
0: Yeah, I was listening to uh, when you were on Pencil Pushers mm-hmm. this morning. And you, you said on there that, like, if... They're asking if you want bring your price down lower that you'll just flat out say no.
2: Yeah, I'm a big believer in that, you know. If someone doesn't want to pay you what you're worth, then don't work with them, right? As artists, it's a big struggle, I think. A lot of times people, um, they have a lot of fear. They have imposter syndrome. They go, ah, oh, is this work really worth what I'm asking for? Um, But the fact is, it is right. Your time has value. Your work has value, just like anything else. And if someone isn't going to appreciate that or if they're not willing to pay it, that's totally fine. But they're not the right client for you. Right. And so that's where you say, hey, thanks so much for talking to me. It's been awesome. Um, Here are some recommendations of people that might do it for cheaper, but that's not me. You know, and the thing is, the more that you stick to that, the better clients you're going to be able to attract and the less stressed out you're going to be if you're doing, you know, fifty projects every month that only pay you fifty dollars, that's a lot of stress. But if you can get one project every month that pays you ten thousand dollars, you're gonna be able to make better work. You're gonna be able to attract better people to work with. Like it's just all around better, you know? And I'm a big believer in that. We could talk all day about that.
1: <laughs> well, as I'm listening, like so as a business person, yeah. I think we were talking about it it's a lost art to communicate totally. in handwrit writing. And Scott Anderson is like a hero of mine, but he is notorious for sending handwritten notes um, to people afterwards and, or he'll mm-hmm. cut out like an article. And I've wanted to learn how to do that. So like I, I ended up buying black cards with metallic pens, but my handwriting's still shit. So I need to like <laughs> practice. So if I want to like improve this, how can I find out like when your classes are or to sign up to do that?
2: Yeah, so the best thing to do is on my website, typeaffiliated.com. Um, I always share on there like when in-person workshops are. But I also offer two online classes, and these are focused around hand lettering. So it's not just handwriting, it's it's more, you know, in-depth, fancy lettering kind of stuff. Uh but the online classes are available always. You can take those from home. But the cool thing about them is even though it's an online class, you're watching at home. I actually will give you feedback after every lesson. So how it works is you watch a lesson online and then you actually do your practice. You take a picture of it and then you send it in and then I will look at your practice and I will send you a personal video like going over your work with you, you know, and saying like, Hey, you know, Val, these are the things that you did that worked so good. Like doing this was such a great idea. That's looking great. And then I'll also get feedback and say, you know, if you move that, you know, crossbar of your H down a little, it's just going to help it. And you know, change the weight on your end so that it looks like this. So that way you're not learning all on your own because I think it's hard to try to learn a new skill on your own. I think we've all done it before where there's something you really want to get into, but you have no idea where to start and you have no idea if you're even doing it right. And My so, stuff never
3: looks like that does on YouTube. Yeah. Never. Exactly. I've ruined so many cars.
2: But if that yeah, but if too. that YouTube person could be there and could say, "Hey, look, you're so close, Val. It's just this one little thing you missed or you need to change right that would be so helpful. so that's how this class is operated is, even though it's online, it's very much in person um as far as like the learning goes, if that makes sense it, This sounds
1: weird, but I think when I write. Either my brain is faster than my head, but like sometimes I'll forget a T. Oh, me too. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to go back and add the T. And then I do that all the time. And and that's the perk of having bad
2: handwriting because I do that sometimes on purpose. I am a really bad speller, as funny as that is. So if I'm ever worried about how to spell something, I will purposefully make my handwriting a little bit worse so that the person reading it will be like, did she spell that wrong or is that just a weird shaped Letters, so I, I don't know. wonder if that's
3: why doctors write the way they do as well. They're oh, just man. horrible at spelling. they are spelling.
2: the worst. Probably, and they have to spell <laughs> hard words, you know? If you're like levothyroxine, I'd be like, oh, I don't know how to spell that, you know? Yeah, if a
0: couple letters switch, it's a completely different. Thyroid medicine. medicine. <laughs> totally <laughs> <literally>. <laughs> um, Who do you um, admire in uh, the industry? You know, there's Jessica Hish and others. Uh, who do you like?
2: I think my two heroes, of course, Jessica Hish, she's incredible, always been a favorite. I actually got to meet her a few years ago, and I literally cried because it was just so exciting for me. And the other one is Ken Barber. I just think Ken Barber is so cool. And the thing that I think is the most impressive about those two is just that they have um, just honed their craft. And I, I think it's really funny, I was talking to my mom about this the other day, which is that I don't get nervous talking to people I don't get like nervous around celebrities or famous people anything like that but I do get really nervous around people who I feel like are on the top of their craft and so like that sounds so goofy but people who have like dedicated their lives to getting really good at one thing and have like done it mastered it that is just I like have so much respect for those people and I find I get really nervous meeting them because I'm like oh my gosh you're the best like for instance there's a guy in Springville named Chandler he owns a shop called Taten Baird Hats And so he makes hats, right? He like hand, I don't know what the word is. Like if he cobbles shoes, what's the word for making hats? I have no idea. But he makes hats and he uses like all these tools from the 1800s and these old whatever. And like, I am not in the hat industry, but I was so scared to meet him because I was just like, oh my gosh, you're so cool. Like you're so good at this. So I think honestly, I just admire anybody who is willing to put in the time and effort to really get good at something because we live in a world where there's a lot of focus on like how many Instagram followers people have or how popular people are. And a lot of the times the people that are the most popular, they're not really the most qualified, you know? And I think we can see that in a lot of places in the world. So people who really take the time to struggle through something and to get good, I just, I admire those people so much. And I want to be one of those people someday, you know?
0: Well, I, I look up to you. And another thing in that podcast that I liked is that when you didn't know or understand anything you know you went to school for it like the business side mm-hmm. of things or you know you learned yourself and connected yourself with people um that are that are doing that um tell us about that and how it's worked
2: for you yeah i think that's a really great question i've i think it's easy for me because again i'm not very really scared of reaching out to people Um, but when you run into a roadblock, a lot of times people just quit, and they go, oh, I don't know what to do, so I'm just not going to do anything, but the fact is there are so many people in the world who are ready to help and who are actually excited to help, you know, and so there were several different times, you know, trying to figure things out where I'd say, oh my gosh, I have no idea what I'm doing here, and like, like one example I can specifically think of, I had gotten a job working for Melissa Esplin. She's an amazing calligrapher, and i won't tell that whole story because it's really long of how i got the job but it was crazy that i got this job for her and the very first day i went to work with her she's like okay we need to make these calligraphy workbooks um i just need these you know put into illustrator and and blah 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 and i need to get them paginated and have the marks and bleeds can you handle that and i was like oh yeah i totally got this and i was like i don't know what any of those words mean i have no idea what that <laughs> means but i was like yeah, yeah i got it and so i went to one of my teachers his name was brian thank god we had brian and i was like brian what the heck is paginating? And he's like, what? And I was like, I have to paginate something. I don't even know what that is. And he was like, dude, come to my office. And so he let me come to his office. He was actually working at the mayor's office at the time in Provo. So I got to go down to the mayor's office and he took time on his lunch to teach me how to paginate stuff. And I'm forever, you know, in debt to him. And then I was able to show up next time for work and be like, yep, here's your files. And they're perfect, you know? And Little did she know, I just learned how to paginate and do marks and bleeds and set up a file for print. But the fact is, like, if I would have just struggled and tried to figure that out on my own, it would have been terrible, and I would have lost my job. And you know what I mean. But it's like there are so many people who are willing to help, and that doesn't always mean you should say yes to everything if you have no idea what you're doing, you know. But people are super willing. Like just the other day, I got approached. Um, this was about a month ago by a huge client, like bigger than I've ever worked with before, and it was really exciting. Um, But I had to pitch them a price quote for the project. And it was just way bigger than anything I had ever done. And so instead of just throwing out a number, you know, that I pulled out of my butt, I talked to people. I reached out to a bunch of people in the industry who some were close, some live really far away and just said, hey, this is what I'm working on. Can you guys give me some advice on how I should price this? And not a single person was like, no, pricing is a big secret. And I'm not going to reveal that to you. Like every single person was like, yeah, how can I help? You know, and they were so helpful. So I just think it's really important that we all help each other. I know when people come to me, I always love to help and love to help answer questions. Um, But yeah, just don't assume that people aren't going to want to help you. Everyone is super willing and and ready to help. And I mean, obviously don't ask for too much and always say thank you, right? Every time someone's helped, I always try to send them a thank you gift or or something, you know, just to say, hey, I really appreciate that. Um, But asking for help and and being not afraid to do that can be such a huge... uh, you know, just way to get better at what you do.
0: <laughs> yeah, pricing is tough. I that's the thing I struggle with. Mm-hmm. But well what is paginating?
2: Paginating <laughs> is uh, Okay, I'm trying to figure out this. We're gonna people. go find the
1: guy in the mayor's <laughs>
0: office. Yeah, um,
2: Brian <laughs> Brian Paginating is, is if you have oh gosh, it's it's when you print a book, you don't print it page one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, you print it one, eight.
0: Oh, seven, so, six, like so that you can okay. like fold
2: yeah. it all together, okay. kind of. That's what paginating is. I had a feelin- <laughs> feeling it was that. But yeah, it's <laughs> just like a way of arranging pages so that when you print them, you can put them together into a book.
0: So uh, you you do a lot of different projects. Mm-hmm. You know, the hand lettering, illustration, murals, which I, we really haven't gotten into. What, what, you know, they're all kind of your kids. Do, do you have a favorite?
2: Ooh, <laughs> I don't know if I have a favorite. There's definitely favorites. But I think a lot of times what makes a project a favorite actually comes down to the people that I'm working with on the project, as funny as that sounds. There's some projects I've done that are beautiful work that I'm really proud of, but I don't really have fond memories of the project. But there's other ones where just working with the people and everything, you're just it's so much fun. Um, one that was especially impactful for me is back in 2017. This is when I was still pretty new to to working professionally. Uh, this lady named Brittany, she reached out to me. I forget what her last name is. She got married and I don't remember her new last name. Um, but her Instagram is the superhero teacher. And what she does is she teams up with brands and businesses and earns money to go remodel classrooms for teachers who are deserving of it. So it's kind of like a project makeover thing, but for teachers and classrooms and the work she does is really amazing. But she reached out to me about going to Florida to remodel a classroom for one of the teachers that was influenced by the Parkland, Florida shooting. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, yeah, I'll definitely go help with this mural. And working on that project, it was amazing. Like, getting to meet the teachers and the students at that school that had been affected by that really horrible, you know, horrible, horrible thing that no one should have to go through, but seeing how they had, you know, persevered and were still trying to make things work and how they hadn't just given up and then getting to be a part of that service and, and this teacher. So after the shooting happened, obviously, you know, it was a crime scene and they had to close this huge section of the school and it was completely shut down. And all the teachers that taught there, they had to go like share rooms with other teachers. And this one teacher in particular, her name was actually also Brittany. She had been teaching for six months out of a little push cart. So she had like all her supplies in this push cart and she never had a classroom. Like she just had to jump from room to room constantly. But she was so positive and so determined to help these kids. And so getting to build her a new classroom and paint a mural, the mural is said unbreakable, which was just – because cause she was. She was unbreakable, you know, that she had stuck around for these students. She could have gone to another school that didn't have bad memories and didn't have, you know, all these struggles. But she stuck there because she loved the students and wanted to help. And getting to see her come in and see this all at the end and the work that we had done for her, like, it was amazing – and so that's definitely one that I'm never going to forget. And I think, yeah, it's just working with people is is usually what makes a project really meaningful to me.
0: Um, COVID. How did COVID affect your business? Did it slow down? Did you know? Did you get a rush of uh, customers with people kind of sitting and thinking about things? Yeah,
2: it really didn't affect my business a whole lot. And part of that is because. I was smart with money and finances because as a freelancer, you never know like COVID or no COVID. You never know when you're going to be in a really busy time and when you're going to be in a slower time. So, learning how to manage your business in a smart way so that you always have things to do when it's slow to help grow your business. And so that you always have funds available for when work isn't coming in. That's important always, not just when there's a pandemic. Um, so financially it really wasn't affected. Um, but also, yeah, work didn't really slow down. I think actually, When a lot of businesses were closed, that gave them the opportunity to think about things like updating their branding or, you know, if you're a restaurant, all of a sudden there's nobody in there that's going to get bothered by the smell of paint. That's a great time to have someone come paint a mural in your restaurant. You know what I mean? So it really didn't slow down for me. I was pretty lucky that during Corona things stayed the same. And a lot of people, a lot of people were at home interested in learning lettering. So it was a great time for people to take the online class, which was great for me too.
1: Where do you see yourself in, like, 10 years?
2: Ooh, so in 10 years, I'd really like... What I always say is I'd like to be doing the same thing I'm doing now, but just for bigger clients, you know? I'd love to work for, like, Coke. That's the goal, right? To do a job for Coke. I think that would be so cool. Um, But I would really like to eventually get a studio. Right now, I have a studio. It's in my home, which is great, but I'd love to open a studio and kind of expand what Type Affiliated is offering. Right now, I have a junior designer that works for me, and that's great. She's my first employee um, but I'd love to also get, like, an in-house photographer and an in-house, you know, copywriter and some other things like that and really kind of build type affiliated out to a little bit bigger of a studio. Um, but really, though, just continuing to serve the community, um, to create work that I feel like is meaningful and is is good quality stuff, you know? I think, I think the art of hand lettering is so important and can really make people's day if it's done correctly. So I, I just want to keep doing that, just keep making work that I'm proud of and... And, but just doing it on a bigger scale, I guess,
3: so you help people have fun when they're looking for something to do. What do you do when you're not drawing and lettering and thinking of letters and dreaming of letters and creating type? like what do you do? Ooh, I do
2: all kinds of things <laughs> um I play the guitar, I play the banjo. Uh, me and my mom and my sister we're taking a tap dancing class right now. Nice. So I'm trying to learn how to tap dance, which I'm terrible at. So for those of you that are like, uh, oh, handwriting's too hard. If I can learn how to tap dance, you can learn <laughs> hand lettering. Um, I love games, love going on walks, I roller skate, I do a lot of stuff, you know. I I I love to be busy. And again, I, I do a lot of Things like serving with AIGA, that takes a lot of time. I serve with another group in Provo called Creative Collaborative, where we host monthly creative speakers, and that's really great. Um, I am the leader of Lettering Club, <laughs> which is a group that gets together once a month and just hangs out and draws. So love being involved in any kind of thing with the community. You know, if going people want to find openings. out where
1: those things are, where can they find it?
2: Okay, so here's a list. So AIGA, you can just go to AIGA, um No matter where you are in America, you can find a chapter if you go to the AIGA national website. The chapter in Utah is AIGA Salt Lake City. I think that's the name of the Instagram, too, is AIGA Salt Lake City. You can find it, though. Creative Collaborative, their Instagram is Collaborative underscore Utah. There might be an underscore the whole way. But if you just look up Creative Collaborative Utah, you'll be able to find it. Um, Lettering Club is just Utah Lettering Club. There's also a Salt Lake Lettering Club if you're in Salt Lake. Um, I think that was all the things. Yeah. There's there's tons of ways to get involved. And and if I always, you want to learn how to tap dance, <laughs> you're on your own. Yeah, if you want to learn how to tap dance, UVU Community <laughs> Ed. Tap, tap, tap
1: dance by Steve.
3: Ooh, yeah. tap. I'm going to take you up on that. I have tap shoes for you.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's going to be a nightmare. My whole family
0: did clogging at one point. Nice. Everybody but me.
3: Tapping and clogging is not the same thing. I know, but... The, <laughs>
2: Dancing with noisy. I'm shoes. picturing
3: you guys clogging like <laughs> I, as a family. I didn't do it, I, I just decided and shook my head. I <laughs> like will just Nan. be
0: hill tapping because <laughs> they looked goofy and <laughs> looked too <Yeah>. hard.
2: <laughs> well, that's the thing. My first day in the tap dancing class, I was like, That was awesome! I learned so much. And I came home, and my husband, Alan, I was like, Alan, do you want to see what I learned at tap dancing? And I showed him like this 10 second routine we learned. He's like, That's it. I'm like, yeah, it's awesome, man. Like, he's like, whatever. So it's not that cool, but it's really fun to do.
0: <laughs> and him saying that's it. It's, it was the first class. You can't learn everything the first
2: day. Yeah, you can't learn everything. <laughs> <laughs> Steve's just shaking his head. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Just
3: shuffle step. Come on. Shuffle yeah, step. Step. shuffle step. The lap.
1: I have no rhythm. I have no dance <laughs> skills. I have no handwriting skills. We're
2: going to put this video together.
3: <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah.
1: Coming Stuff through.
2: Steve says he's not good at. It, We're gonna it make
1: will him be good. validated and really quick. going to some letters <laughs>
3: and then do a shuffle step. People
1: are going to be like, I thought he was teachable. Yeah, no. That's, <laughs> that's no an way. Instagram idea. Yeah.
3: Stuff, Stuff Steve th- can't do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like this idea. <laughs> Coming soon. <laughs> On so short long.
1: and sweet. Steph- Steve can't do <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think that we should ask the bonus. Yeah.
2: Ooh.
0: The first bonus question is, what does creativity mean to you?
2: I feel like before I answer that, is there like a prize that is won if you answer the bonus question?
0: No, but I'll give you a, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the give prize. a We're chocolate. Yeah, I'll give you a chocolate. Because okay. I feel like
2: it's a game show. You know, it's like bonus. Like, dun 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 dun.
0: Either way, you win chocolate. so.
2: Yeah. What does creativity mean to me? I just feel like, I don't know. I feel like this sounds kind of cliche, but I think creativity is all about problem solving. Um,. I always say that my grandpa is one of the most creative people I know and he doesn't have an artistic bone in his body, right? He can't draw, he can't do any of that. But if there's a part broken on a tractor and he's up in the mountains far away from anything, like he can figure out a way to fix that thing, like with nothing, you know, no resources, no whatever. And so I, and to me, I'm like, that is so creative, you know, being able to come up with unique solutions to problems. And I think as artists, that's what we're all trying to do, right? Is to figure out a new way to create something different and with lettering you know it's all about saying okay these are letters that have existed for forever but how are we going to combine them in a new way to make this particular word or this particular project or to create this particular emotion and so i think creativity can exist in pretty much whatever field you work in or you you know are creating in um, and it's all just about coming up with new solutions to problems
0: nice you win a chocolate Yes. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: not a good one. Just, oh, that's just, okay. There you is just, no such thing as not a good like one. It's like a
3: five <laughs> out of 10. I'm just
1: <laughs> you get a middle one.
3: Middle chocolate. What's a middle chocolate?
2: Yeah. Now I want to know. Rum
1: nut creams. I don't that's know. It's
3: probably somebody's number one. <laughs> yeah, well. It's all relative, man. Yeah. yeah it is all relative.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, it, it, it's totally all relative.
0: The next bonus question is: Who is your favorite Muppet?
2: My favorite Muppet? Ooh, I mean probably Animal, but I like I like Rizzle the Rat, especially in the Muppets Christmas Carol. That's
0: his best. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And then in the last one is in the movie of your life, who would you want to play you?
2: Ooh, the movie of my life. That's hard. I've been told I look like Carrie Mulligan. Which was a great compliment, but I've also been told I look like to Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone, so that was less of a compliment. So I feel like if it's someone that looks like me, maybe one of those guys. <laughs> uh, I don't know I mean, who I would think want to either be. Either way, me. you're
3: not losing with either of those people. Yeah,
2: <laughs> Macaulay Culkin. He's probably kind of old and gross now. I don't know. No, nah,
3: he's good. He just had a baby. I mean, he oh. didn't have a baby, but his wife did. Nice. His fiance did.
2: Cool.
0: Brenda Song.
3: Brenda Song. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now nah, he's doing just fine. But I would also hope that
2: if my if my life was made into a movie, it would be made into like a Godfather style of movie, where I don't know, it would be dramatic, and I'd be behind a desk like stroking a cat, and you know that kind of a thing. I just feel like that's what I would like to have happen.
3: Are people killing people with pens? Like yeah. what's
2: like Jason Bourne? Okay, do you guys want to hear my Jason Bourne idea? Maybe this is totally off. I think it would be so fun. Do you guys remember the scene in Jason Bourne where he's talking on the phone and they don't know that they that he can see him? And they're like he's like, I need you to find this girl and they're like, Well how do we know if we'll be able to find her? And he's like, You're standing right next to her and he hangs up and everyone in the office is freaking out. I think it'd be so funny to make a video of that of an artist like standing out on a building with their binoculars looking at their client who hasn't paid their invoice. <laughs> and the client's like holding the invoice and they're like, when are you going to pay my invoice? And the client's like, oh, we haven't received it yet because this happens. And then to be like, it's in your hand right now and hang up like, anyway, not very relevant. Makes think I
1: haven't
3: done time that? Time?
2: Yeah, I'm like, this needs to happen. I just, I don't know. We need to remake all pay these action invoices, movies. People. Yeah, pay your invoices. We know you have it. Like, <laughs> yeah, anyway. It's probably too much information right there. <laughs> no, no.
0: Business is important, and getting paid is important. So. And when
2: you're working by yourself all day, you have a lot of time to think about these kinds of goofy things. <laughs> She's I got think. a list. Oh, <laughs> a List. <laughs> yeah. And
3: it looks pretty. Oh, believe me. Oh, yeah. Her list is <laughs> amazing. Bushemmy it's beautiful, but it looks beautiful. Yeah. Cross <laughs> <Mine's laughs> like, off names. What the hell does that mean?
2: What? <laughs> yeah.
0: But the good thing about your handwriting being bad on a list is nobody can read what it is, so you can can cross it out, and nobody Mm. will question it.
2: Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's
1: true. (laughs) No, I want to improve. I really do want to improve my handwriting. I think it's important.
2: Yeah. Well, just start by going slow, and don't be too hard on yourself. Like, just take it easy, you know?
1: Also... As you were talking like I know Easter's coming up and yeah. we need like somebody to letter some eggs and stuff for people oh, like cool. personalization. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, just keep your schedule open. Totally. <laughs> call me anytime. That sounds Steve's really book, fun. will be <laughs> doing everything but winking.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it, it'll be
1: writing only with frosting.
2: That sounds cool. I got to say, I I'm I don't know if I've ever actually done anything <gasps> fancy with frosting. Oh my god.
1: So, it's like a match made in heaven. Okay. okay. We'll
2: give it a try. <laughs> we'll work on it. <laughs> It'll be cool. I'm ready.
1: <laughs> if people want to find you again, how do they do that?
2: Yeah. So, everything is type affiliated. So, typeaffiliated.com is my website. I'm on Instagram at typeaffiliated. Uh, emails type affiliated. LinkedIn type affiliated. Everything. You can track me down by looking at that. I'm pretty sure I've cornered the market on that word. So, very cool. That's the way to find me.
0: Well, Thanks, thank you. Hey,
2: Thank you guys. It was thanks super Bailey, fun to meet you all.
0: Thanks, Val. Good to see you all again. We haven't done a sat down for a for a minute like this, so
2: cool. Hi Bye everybody. Bye. Whoa, whoa. Yay.
0: The podcast is done, man. Ah, 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 ah.